Okay, so um, Maria, can you tell me again about the super intense gifting culture in Japan? Uh, yes. Okay, so as you know, I lived in Japan for a year um, after high school and before I went to college. And there were many wonderful things that I discovered while I was there. And one of them was this really high-level gift-giving culture that was going on there. Everything from every time you traveled somewhere, you were expected to bring your luggage full of omiyage, or like souvenirs is what uh, the word for it. <laughs> um, so I remember someone from coming from Japan to visit me at one point, and her, she brought this huge suitcase for five days, and it was literally like 85% gifts for me was really oh my extreme. And, and also unknown people that she had not yet met, but that she would have a gift for. And she gave them <laughs> to all of these people who like loved her immediately, of course. Um, but of course. When I was living there, one of the other things I found really amazing and quite smart and discovered was not just a quirk of my mom, was that they would have these closets or drawers that would just be full of backup presents. Because if someone dropped by and they had a gift for you, then you could immediately turn around and say, oh, yes, I have a gift for you, too. Just one moment. And disappear <laughs> to your closet of gifts. And the thing, That's amazing. Yeah. And the thing is that, you know, the re-gifting culture there is really different. So it's kind of legit. So it's, like, not shameful? Like, it's not, like, an embarrassing thing that you had something on hand? Exactly. The, the shameful thing is if you give a gift that's wrapped poorly. Seriously. (laughs) It's like really anxiety inducing. Um, Oh my gosh. What if you're a bad rapper? Then you get the store to do it. Oh. Yeah. And in fact, if you receive a gift that's been beautifully wrapped, then you just Mm -hmm. very super carefully open it. And in fact, most Japanese people will very super carefully open gifts. Like they don't do the wild frenzy of opening that we do. And then once it's open and you look at it, then you very carefully close it back up in case you Mm -hmm. pass it along. Yes. Oh my gosh. I know. And it's kind of okay. It seems so it sounds both beautiful, intimidating, and very like efficient. Like in the sense that the opportunity to re-gift is such a a gift. I know. <laughs> I know. So there's also these practical gifts, which I had never heard about, and I tried to Google it, but I couldn't find any trace of it. So only when I was living there did I see that you would people would give back and forth like bulk cooking oil. No. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, that's useful. Or like sh- like huge shampoo conditioner sets of like really nice shampoo and conditioner. So not like the ones you go to Bed Bath & Beyond, like freaking like the size of an oxygen container full of shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> and they're so into gift giving that they have split their Valentine's Day into two days. Valentine's Day where women give gifts to men and mm-hmm. White Day where men give gifts to women. That's very interesting. And are they around the same time of the year? Valentine's Day is the same as ours, February 14th. Right. But White Day is March 14th, one month later. And the way it works is that you don't just give gifts to your sweetheart. You, In fact, there's a term for the, the kind of obligation chocolates that women give to not just their you know loved ones, but their <laughs> colleagues or their other classmates. That obligation kind of thing. chocolates? Yeah, giddy chocos, <laughs> they're called. Like literally obligation or duty chocolate. Um, and then it gets kind of reciprocated on white day. So basically, like unless you've got the worst workplace in the world, um, you will be getting something on Valentine's Day or white day. You know what? I like that. I like that it's not predicated upon having, like, a relationship. That that I could, that I respect. Yeah, although the relationship just – it just amps up the game. Then you have to get way more yeah. expensive stuff. Like, we're talking designer shoes and bags. 
I feel like I live in the wrong society. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Hello and welcome to In Theory, the podcast where we talk about the theories that help us make sense of the world. I'm Naran Khan. And I'm Maria Sachiko-Sasiri. Today we'll be talking about gifts. Of course, we all love getting presents and giving them, right? Okay, so they drive us a little nuts because they're inefficient and result in massive amounts of waste, thank holiday season. (laughs) But we also love how they help us connect with one another. And remember that one time you got that really awesome thing from What's Her Face? It turns out economists, anthropologists, and psychologists have so many thoughts about this everyday practice that we don't often take time to fully understand. We hope this episode will be a real gift to you. And guess what? We don't expect anything in return, except uh, your continued listenership, positive iTunes reviews, Facebook likes. Just kidding. But actually, not really. We're we're not kidding. Uh, (laughs) That relationship of exchange (laughs) is core to what we're going to be talking about today. So, Naran, just to get us started off, what is the best gift or what were the best gifts you have ever received? I have gotten so many gifts that are super memorable. I'm like a very sentimental person anyways, and so getting gifts – I love giving gifts actually too, Mm. but I've gotten lots of ones I like, and I like them in different ways. So, for example, my friends Eli and Liza a couple years ago gave me a purse that looks like a cartoon purse. Okay. What's that? I don't – I don't know how to describe it other than it looks like animation. So if I were to like wear it uh-huh. and take a photo, it would look like the purse itself is a cartoon. Oh my god, that's like my entire experience of Disney World. <laughs> that's so cool. It's amazing. It's a gift of delight. Another gift of delight I got was when the first Hunger Games movie came out, I got a giant cardboard cutout of Katniss. Stop it. That my friends Luke and Justin got me and what I love about that one is it wasn't on sale. It was like a thing at a store used to promote the movie. I think it was like at the Scholastic store and they somehow talked someone into selling it to them and bringing it to me on my birthday which I love. my god. Wait so you still have that right? Yeah totally. We will have (laughs) photographic evidence of this correct? Totally. Totally totally. And then a bunch of really great things related to food and my friend Abiha got me a gorgeous wedding gift. She actually went to the place where I like met my husband for the first time 10 years later and somehow got a picture there at sunset and then gave that to me as a present, which is just like, that was in England. The lengths she went to to do that were so awesome. So I have amazing friends and they delight me in lots of different ways. Oh, those are such nice stories. Right? (laughs) I love how personal they all are, you know, because they all are people who really know you or have a very special kind of relationship to you and the present is like a sign of that relationship. Totally. And how about you? What are your some of your favorite gifts? I guess I'll just tell you about one because I'm going to take it way back to when I think I was three. Uh, (laughs) So like before I knew about reciprocal exchanges with gifts, when it was just like magic things appeared for you, I was living in upstate New York with my parents and my siblings. And every Sunday we would go to this little town where we went to church and there was a little general store next to it and it had stuff in it and where we lived otherwise there was just not a lot of like shopping and stuff so we'd go there every week and I must have been in the fall sometime October or November Mm -hmm. I saw this princess doll it was a Cinderella like a stuffed plush Cinderella doll except her head and neck were plastic Um, And I thought she was so beautiful and just the most ultimate princess 
desirable object. And so I would go and visit it every Sunday after church. No. I know, oh. for weeks. And I remembered how much it was. It was an astronomical $10. So well out of the range of a three-year-old. I did count my change, but it was not sufficient. And I remember one week I went there with my parents, and it was gone. And I wept inconsolably because no, it, was, it was gone. It was over. My hopes were dashed. So this was, you know, horrible for me. Um, and then on Christmas morning, of course, it was out of my mind because there was no way that another one of these dolls could exist in the universe, obviously. So when I opened my gift from Santa, which was this doll, I, I think I experienced, like, a glimpse of divinity. I was so freaking oh, happy. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And it was completely It's amazing baffled. that you have that memory from when you were three. It's one of my earliest memories, actually. Maybe oh I was gosh. four. I don't remember. I was really small. And I just remember being completely blown away by it. And I think my parents had been the ones who bought it and had somehow managed to oh not my tell my weeping self. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I think it's really relevant that you remember that from such an early age because gifts can can really mean something and they cannot as well. So we're going to we're going to unpack that a little bit. Today, we're talking about reciprocity, exchange, and gifts, what anthropologists and sociologists and psychologists have to say, at least at first. So there's a pretty substantial subfield within cultural anthropology that looks at gift-giving, exchange, and reciprocity. In fact, cultural anthropologists like to point out that gift-giving is basically universal across all societies, across all of time. I don't really know anything to disprove that, but it, se- it seems like it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> And it's, like, kind of amazing. Yeah, totally. And if you haven't thought about gift-giving much, I think there's a lot here that's going to blow your mind, as it did when I first started studying um, gift-giving in cultural anthropology. So one note here. A lot of the kind of classical anthropologists um, that we're going to talk about are, like, white dudes who approached ethnography um, and other cultures in really strange, potentially racist ways. What's up, (laughs) old dudes? (laughs) So I just wanted to put that out there because, like, we we totally know that. Products um, of But there's their some times. stuff here. Right. There's some still still some stuff here we think we can um, draw upon. For sure. So are we ready? Yeah, let's do it. Tell me about okay. the stuff. Okay, let's talk about French sociologist Marcel Moss. He wrote a book called The Gift in 1925. And it's a classic work in this subfield of, you know, gift-giving exchange and reciprocity. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about reciprocity, we mean – it's like the non-market exchange of goods. So not like buying something, like a, a transaction where you purchase something in a, in a market sense, but not an exchange that's totally free of obligation either. Mm-hmm. So there's some sort of expectation upon the exchange. 
So one of the arguments that Moss made was that a gift is in fact imbued with the spirit of the giver in some ways. So when I give you a gift, Maria, some part of me is in that gift, Mm. some sort of spiritual cosmic part of me, which sounds kind of creepy and weird. But then when you think about it, it's like basically how you may feel weird about throwing away a gift that you don't even like from your grandma because your grandma gave it to you and there's something sentimental and something about her in that imbued in that object. And I think that kind of makes more tangible sense. Yeah, I totally get that. It's like a difference between, um, okay, so you sent me a really lovely box of goodies not too long ago, which is so sweet. And if I had gone (laughs) and picked that stuff out of the store, I'd be like, yay, delicious things. But it's not the same as getting it from you. You know, like I put more of a premium on making sure that we ate it with friends or to have it like as a special dessert or something like that. So it wasn't just, oh, oops, I went off and toss it, you know? Totally fair. And there's something in me kind of on the giving you end of things was like, I hope she's delighted by this. I always think about wanting to delight people. So according to Moss, gift giving actually transcends the differences we perceive between the material and the spiritual in a way that's kind of magical. And we're going to return to that in a second, the kind of magic aspect of a gift. But even in that kind of at a very high level, there is something magical about gift giving if done well. There's something horrible about it if not done well and we're going to get to that too so I'm going to touch upon reciprocity too so along with giving the gift as much as we don't like to admit it there's an expectation that the recipient kind of reciprocates in some way whether it's a gift of an equal amount or something else and I I mean like it's such a weird thing to talk about especially in the context of this like concrete example we were just talking about Oh, yeah. What I got to give you. <laughs> but but no. Just that, your presence. No, you gave me a present because you felt that staying at my place was a present. Exactly. It was a total 100% gift. And one of the ideas when you when you talk about reciprocity is, it, like, if you don't fulfill that obligation to reciprocate, what happens? Hmm. And the idea is that you can lose honor or status or something else, which kind of makes sense, I guess. I mean, again, if especially if I remove myself from the situation and I'm thinking about, like, my parents or other people, mm-hmm. there is an element to that. Like, you get something and you try to give back something of equal value. One example would be getting an awesome present from a friend for your birthday and then giving them nothing when their birthday rolls around. Right, yeah. Like, you might lose status. I'm putting that in quotes, but, like, air quotes. But, you know, like, there's something weird about that. When it's so kind of internalized at this point that even if literally nobody knows or your friend forgets and doesn't care or doesn't actually mind at all, we will feel like we lose face to ourselves in some way. Totally. So we self-impose some of this stuff, Definitely. too. Definitely. Because, I mean, I didn't, yeah. I didn't need a box of sweets from you. I, of course, love them. But I would have not noticed if you, I hadn't received anything. I feel in some ways it's also an expression of who you are to yourself. No, I would have died inside if you let me stay at your house for a whole weekend and didn't say thank you in some sort of meaningful way. Now I'm already thinking in advance of what to bring next time I come to your house. <laughs> <laughs> you already brought something last time, that amazing thing from, like, the Virginia, like the peanuts. It was so great. Okay, now I'm getting the weeds of all of our back and forth, which is so awesome. But here's a question. So do you ever give gifts without the expectation of something in return? And a lot of these folks argue that there is no such thing. So even Mm. giving money to someone who's begging for money on the street, there is some sort of – there's something you get from that in terms of your pride or feeling good about yourself. There's no true altruism. Mm. I don't know. Do you agree? I think – this goes back to the what I was saying about it, it 
feeling like a sense of expression of yourself because mm-hmm. even if you don't get something directly from the other person, you kind of instrumentalize the other person as like a mirror to bounce yourself image off of. Yeah. So in some ways, it almost doesn't matter what they do. Obviously, like you would prefer if they reflect back to you the goodness that you think you yourself are expressing. But even if they don't, in some sometimes it can still be good enough for you to feel like, well, I've done the right thing. Totally. You know, and then you feel like that's what you get out of the exchange, which sounds really like awful and cold. But I, I don't. I don't yeah. think it has to be that way. And what about kids? Yeah, see, kids is something I think is super interesting. And, you know, if we ever get into, like, talking about kids' birthday parties or Christmas, we can talk about this more. But, I mean, I find how we train kids to receive gifts, like, super fascinating. Have you ever been to, like, a Christmas morning or a kid's birthday party where a really young child is being showered with gifts? Um, Not the Christmas thing. But, yeah, definitely birthday parties and stuff. Especially with really young ones, I feel like they just break down into tears by, like, the third gift. It's just complete disaster. Because <laughs> Out of joy or disinterest no, or disaster. they don't like gifts? <laughs> no, because it's like, well, usually they'll be like, oh, that's kind of cool. Especially if they're little. They're like, that's fun. Yeah. And they start to open it. And then, like, they don't know why it's taking so long for the gift to get opened. <laughs> or, like, someone snatches it away from them. Or it's not what they yeah. wanted. Or whatever it is. Or then they take they, you take the gift away to give them the next one, and then they burst into tears. So especially with really little kids, they're like, I have no idea what the hell is going on, and yeah. they don't they don't behave appropriately for receiving gifts. And I feel like that's a moment it really like brings out what it is that we train kids to do. So by the time sure. they're like five, four, five, sometimes even younger, oh my gosh, we they have totally them, know how to be, oh, how to pretend if they don't like it to act like they do like it. You know, how to not spend too much time with one present and to move on to the next one. And, like, these are all really important socializing elements that we kind of train kids in. Um, And if they don't, like, have the right affect of delight, even if they're not super into it, and, like, respect for other presents, then they get in trouble. Right. Oh, that's so interesting. I'm definitely going to have to pay more attention when I see a kid opening a present now. (laughs) So big picture within anthropology, there's a sense that all of this kind of spiritual imbuedness and reciprocity really creates connections within society and solidarity and and really just cultivates human connection in a really deep way. Mm -hmm. And by the way, there's like lots of other anthropologists who've taken this on. Malinowski did this research on a system of exchange in the Trobriand Islands called the Kula Rings. You should totally look it up. It involves fish and very long-term exchange between tribal chiefs. But, you know, (laughs) ethnography after ethnography speaks to this in different cultures, and it gets at this human connection that's cultivated through through these relationships, either in one-offs or the cooler rings, like over a very sustained long-term relationship. Excellent. So – Enough with the old. Um, How do we exchange modern gifts today in Western society? Well, kind of at a high level, we highly value the personal and personalized gifts as a way to show we care. But that balanced with the fact that where we mass produce things, we don't create things ourselves in the way that we, we may have in the past. One of the ways in which we can personalize gifts is to show that we prepared them mm-hmm. by wrapping them properly and by giving them a gift or kind of just preparing them in a way that shows your like has your personal stamp on something, which I think is really interesting because I always wonder like, why are we wrapping all these gifts? You have to put it all up together and then someone has to like unwrap it and then it's just like creating all of this other stuff. But 
once I heard that explanation, it really, I found it to be really compelling because it's true. It, it allows you to put your own personal stamp on something that you wouldn't have created previously. Yeah. And I think the card is huge for that too. Totally. To be able to say the heartfelt feelings that you're hoping the gift will be able to convey and sometimes to just directly connect the, the gift to those feelings in words. I love it. Totally. Okay, so you didn't think picking up something on the way to your bestie's birthday party or housewarming had anything to do with the cooler ring in the Trobriand Islands, did you? But people all over the world have traditions and expectations around giving and receiving presents. And that can be both a beautiful blessing and sometimes a guilt-trippy or awkward curse. People, we do the weirdest and most beautiful things, apparently, all over the world and for a really long time. <laughs> go, go. Okay, so like really straight up, Maria, what is the worst present you've ever gotten? I, I, I have to say I've had a lot of good presents. I think a present that encapsulates all the worst presents I've ever gotten. <laughs> <laughs> Well, not really. It's actually not a bad present, but it's it's just, it was so awkward. So my partner, who I dearly love, he... I love him too. Yeah, we love him. <laughs> we love you. Um, <laughs> so for our first Christmas together, um, he was quite poor, but loves showering me in presents. And so for Christmas, knowing that I have long coveted a fancy Japanese rice cooker, he got me like an interim rice cooker, which is a not fancy Western Japanese rice cooker, <laughs> which is so not what I wanted. And in my mind, like worse than my making it in a pot. So it was this like really awkward thing where it was both really disappointing and also this like beautiful expression of his love and trying to care for me, but also <laughs> demonstrating how he did not understand what it was that I actually wanted. And oh. so what made it so bad was that it wasn't like the gift itself was like offensive or anything like that. It was like, I didn't know how to act and I'm so bad at disguising my feelings. And so I'm crestfallen and then he is crestfallen and then everyone's oh crest is falling on the ground. <laughs> it's just like so bad. All because of a rice cooker. I know. And so, I mean, like, I'm going to just throw it out there that since then... His salary fortunes have changed, and um, the first time he had, like, a proper grown-up salary, he bought me a beautiful, fancy Japanese rice cooker that Aww. sings to me every time it starts and finishes <laughs> cooking, and every time, I think, with warmth and love of my beautiful partner. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's so great. How about you? What what was, like, terrible gift that you got? Well, I'll say this. We didn't have a wedding registry. We didn't want wedding presents or we didn't want our friends or family to feel obligated to give us things. But that results in deeply, deeply random items coming from people who don't know you very well. <laughs> Can I ask you for and, some of them? Um, too personal. I, I can't. Oh, I can't. Okay. It's, okay. it's too unkind because yeah. it's a reflection, as we discussed before, it's a reflection of the spirit of the giver. And so I can't comment on the people. By commenting on the gift, I'm commenting on the people. And so it, so a lot of it's like housewares we don't need and would never use <laughs> that are just so deeply offensive to the eyes. 
So <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I'm now like imagining some kind of single use banana holder stand shaped like Daffy Duck. That's a hundred percent captures I don't know, it. A salad spinner covered in like sixties flowers and cute motivational sayings. That is that is like a hundred percent like the vibe and I will just say like it so doesn't matter and it's like so not a big deal but I totally get it now when people were like well just get a registry someone is going to give you something and you got to give them some direction yeah wasn't there just like a NPR story or something about that oh most certainly yeah like wedding registry do it if your friend has one do it if you're a bridesmaid still do it well here's what I'll say It was really tough to narrow down this topic for the both of us because there's so much to say about gift giving tied with life moments that not everyone has, like what it means to be adult, you know, because a lot of gift giving when you get married is being like, oh, you haven't been a grown up before, but like maybe you have and maybe you've already been living together and maybe, you know, it just all it brings together all of these amazing pieces of our culture. And unfortunately, we couldn't get to all of it, but. I just want to acknowledge that there's a lot out there that we, we totally have to unpack one day in a little gab version of, uh, of the podcast. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Um, okay. Well, so, so tell us what's like – tell us the, the dirt the dirt on gift giving. So I will have to say I have to totally shout out to a really great episode of Planet Money that features the work of Joel Waldfogel who wrote the book Scroogeonomics. We're going to link to that and I'm, I'm going to give you the high level of, of what some economists say about – gifts and how they are not efficient and in fact quite wasteful. So the high level of the idea is that when you buy something it's worth a certain amount to you and in fact however much you pay you can assume that it's worth at least that much to you because you're paying for it. Mm -hmm. But if someone else buys it they can't figure out exactly what it would mean for you or what what value you would assign it based on how important it is to you. Mm -hmm. So that often means it means to you less than what it was paid for it. And economists find that really disturbing because it's just like not efficient. It's not an efficient way to transfer money, services, goods, consumer goods especially. And so like I, I would say that a, a lot of a lot of people gripe then when it comes to especially big consumer-driven holidays because it's just mm. not efficient. So it's like if if I bought you that salad spinner that we just imagined. Yeah. And it cost me like $65. Yes. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm giving Noran like a $65 salad spinner because I love her and I want her to know how much I love her. So I'm splurging on the fancy one that has the motivational sayings on it. Exactly. But then you get it and you're like, A, it's ugly. B, why would anyone buy a salad spinner like that? Yeah, has or like I don't it. ever make salad. I never spin my yeah. salad. So to so you, it it's worth like there. $5 maybe max. Exactly. And so then that like lost $55 is the problem? Yes, and that's called um, deadweight loss. Oh. And not just that, there's a difference between what I value it and what you spent on it, but also just what did society take to make that? Like who put the labor into it? Mm. Where else could that labor ha- and, and gain have been realized? Well, it's just like not an efficient way to do it. Mm-hmm. So Joel Waldfogel says that um, U.S. holiday gift giving wastes $13 billion <gasps> worth of value in the aggregate. Get out. Yeah. I guess if you don't value or acknowledge the human relationships, that relationship piece that we talked about that the kind of anthropologist talked about it can be very disturbing to you so I guess the question is how about just giving money instead of 
giving actual gifts? How do we feel about registries and gift cards and cash itself? How do you yeah, feel about it? Yeah, I know. I mean, like, I know it's more efficient. And, like, I know I'm supposed to do it. But it just feels so blah. Like, that's not the point of gifts in my mind. Like, I don't mind a registry because at least you can pick yeah. from within it. Right. I like that. It's, like, parameters. Here's stuff I need. Give me some of the stuff I need that says something about you. Yeah. But the gift cards and the money, mm, I do it when I need to. You know, like, there's some people in my life who I know would just really, really prefer the cash. But still. Okay, so this is where I want to get back to some of the magic we talked about. Would you agree that it lacks the magic and imagination of gift giving? I mean, I feel that way. Yeah, but then it's like, but then it's just about me as a gift giver. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. when I'm receiving cash, I'm like, woo, cash. Yeah, totally. I guess less totally known now that I have a salary. I don't know. <laughs> but like, the the delight I feel when I get an amazing gift is just like, unquantifiable it's just so yeah. friggin awesome and 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 we can talk about our philosophies of gift giving later but I'll also say that I love giving gifts and I feel delighted myself when I give a mm-hmm. gift that is well received but then the gift shouldn't be about me I know <laughs> well I feel like you know at the end a lot of this has to do with relative need you know yeah. when I was really young and I didn't have access to money or objects that I wanted like money was the most valuable because then I finally had some economic power in like the system and then right. now that I'm older I I have enough money to cover my basic needs and there are other people who don't irrespective of age and so I think that being able to purchase like have purchasing power is a really important yeah. thing in our world for you know for better for worse and so in some ways that becomes like a question of privilege like you know about the the magic a little bit totally i'll say this you know muslims we have like two major holidays they're both called eid Mm -hmm. and on eid you don't get presents or maybe you might get some little presents but really you get eidi which is cash Ah. and eidi is awesome when you're a kid (gasps) but i did always feel a little bit jealous of my christmas celebrating friends because they got gift gifts Mm -hmm. and I don't know. That'd be kind of fun, especially because I'm someone who likes giving and getting gifts, or I became that kind of person as I grew up. Yeah. Well, here, let me tell you. I have a great story. Is So my family loves to give each other joke gifts. Yeah. So totally useless and hilarious. <laughs> um, like we like have, whoopee like, cushions and mustaches? No. Or, like, like, for example, my brothers, when they were, like, young and poor, like, pooled their money to buy my dad a shirt that couldn't have cost more than $12 and came in plastic wrapping. And they gave it to him one year, many, many years ago. And then next year, they found it still in the plastic wrapping. So they gave it to him again. And he received it with the same joy and delight that, you know, he had been trained as a good young boy to, to have. And so they were like, oh, my God, Dad, what? And they caught him for, like, not you know, not having ever used the gift that they gave him and for completely forgetting he'd ever received it. And (laughs) they have been giving him that shirt on an annual basis for over a decade now. Wait, that's beautiful. I love that. That's amazing. And as as part of it, my father does not ever take it out of the plastic wrapping because he knows they will find a way to find it (laughs) and then give it to him again next year. That's so So, great. So like – there's many things like that, but what, like a kind of a good encapsulation of this economic gain, loss, magic versus no magic dynamic we're talking about. <laughs> so the year before I went to Oxford, my family conspired with each other, and I have a quite large family, to all give me crappy gifts. Um, and for them, I guess the memo they sent out to everyone was like, instead of giving Maria something of material value, like that costs a lot of money, yeah, give her something 
emotional and handmade that is like kind of <laughs> crappy. And I am such a sucker that I, like, got so emotional over all of these shitty presents that they made as a joke for me. My sister, like, drew a rose, but she would never do that. You know, my mom had, like, a free calendar that she got in mail, and she, like, wrote little notes for me on every month. Wait, so that's I, really sweet, though. I know. I was like, oh. And my grandma put together, like, a little a little glass jar filled with sea uh, glass from the beach near her house and we used to collect it when I was a little kid and I was like that is so beautiful so I Wait, was, so you like loved all the stuff that was supposed I to be loved it and then they just started <laughs> laughing at me and my grandma was like Maria you are such a you're so good how do you not see that we're giving you trash so I was sweet. like what so <laughs> then and then they pulled out like the laptop and like all the like super nice stuff that they like pulled their money to get me and it was really, really really sweet. sweet but it was this funny moment where like the expected value of these handmade things was meant to be zero but I guess I'd reached an age of my life where I was more sentimental than material needing and I just loved all of it I love it (laughs) I totally love it so look gift giving can be pretty inefficient and contribute to a culture of consumerism where it feels like only the big companies win But at the same time, they are also amazing opportunities to show and share your affection with others and a way to break the mundane cycle of everyday life and say, hey, you, I see you and you rock. Oh, yay. Okay, so so given that gifts are both a suffering and a delight, how should we go about our gift buying and our gift receiving? In taking this deeper dive, we really have become more thoughtful about our gift giving. And here's where I landed. Assuming that I give myself adequate time to come up with a gift, because a lot of times things can be last minute, and certainly for housewarming stuff, I stockpile things. I generally, based on the person, determine whether I want to get them something practical, something basically where I decide – you know, I'm going to get you something that you would buy anyways, but I you don't have to buy it this time. Or a luxury item where I'm basically like, hey, I want to help you spoil yourself and spend money on something you would never spend on yourself. Mm-hmm. Or, this is one of my favorites, discovery. So I try to think about finding something that you never knew you liked that I help you discover that totally speaks to you. And then there, I will say, there's like a tiny part of me that likes to give a gift that's like, a tiny bit about me. I can't believe I'm saying this, but that's basically like I know you. I know you really well. I know what you like, and 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 I do that to show you how much I care about you. Basically, yeah. I mean, I don't think that's bad. I mean, that's I way it's less like bad. A than... little bit about more about me than I would like. <laughs> I guess, but it's way less bad than everything I've said today. And also, like, it's Stop it's it. part of it. You know, it's part of the relationship. It's it's not just I know you. It's that we have a relationship, right? Yeah, totally. That's nice. Okay, so how about you? Okay, so here's where I landed. I, in general, try to be as personal as I can. So, yeah, I guess that I know you thing. Um, You know, inside jokes. I try to go with it when I have impulse buy, when I see something that, like, truly reminds me of somebody. I Mm -hmm. I totally second-guess myself a lot on those, but I'm trying to just go for it more now. (laughs) That's great. 
And then also the the card thing where I handwrite a card that you know tells them how I feel, but also that tries to explain the connection between the gift and our relationship. Oh, that's um, great. And sometimes it, that can help it be like make something that's like not very expensive or kind of eclectic or weird like be really meaningful at least that's how I feel when I get those kinds of gifts I try not to make it all about the money keep it relative to my income and life stage Um, I think I think that's pretty legit Um, and I think setting boundaries can be okay with people you're really close to like Christmas in the Christian environment can be like super out of control and since we have a really large family we tried every year we try to set a price limit and we're getting better at keeping to it which is I think helping a lot and I guess the last thing is that when people give me a gift I try to be grateful about it no matter what it is even when it's not the rice cooker I wanted you know (laughs) worst case scenario you can always put it in the regifting closet just kidding maybe there's a bunch of different ways to think about gift giving and I think knowing some of the theories behind it whether you're talking about waste and efficiency or the kinds of human connections you're trying to develop in meaningful relationships in your life just understanding some of those things can help you give gifts better totally yeah this is really fun thanks Naran yeah thank you what a gift Questions, comments, ideas, we'd love to hear from you at intheorypodcast at gmail.com. You can also find past episodes and more info about us at intheory.us or on our Facebook page. Please subscribe to us on iTunes, and if you like this, recommend us to any and all of your friends. Seriously, please. Also, ratings and reviews, much appreciated. They do go a long way. In Theory is produced with the support of Experimental Humanities and Human Rights Radio at Bard College. Many thanks to our diamond intern, Liv Carroll-Hawk. Music composition and art design by the A1, Aaron Taylor-Waldman. Thanks for listening.